title is being subject to one another. Um, and you'll see there's a lot of verses, and I'm going to apologize for not being able to do that. Let me do a quick review so that we're not here all day. Um, quick review. Verses from last week, chapter 5, verses 15 through 17, what's the wise thing for you to do? If you were here, it was uncomfortable. If you were preaching, it was uncomfortable. All of those things, because we have to admit what the wise thing to do is, and it's not always comfortable, and Paul's trying to get them to see that. In the verses that I've kind of skipped, that we tend to skip, they're easy to explain, verses 18 through 20, Paul basically tells them, hey, don't get drunk. Nobody has a good story that starts with, hey, I got drunk and this happened. So you should be filled with the Spirit, not filled with wine. Shocker. I know you're shocked by that. Okay. That's to set up where we are today. I have a long list, and on my sermon manuscript, it is an entire page, single space, size 11 font. So I apologize. Those of you who don't type and write a lot, that's a lot of words. I got a few contextual issues that I'm going to try to run through as quickly as I can. Uh, and there's a good chance during this sermon that I'm going to be way off from what looks on the screen because I don't really need my notes for this sermon in the slightest bit. So we're just going to see what comes up. First, this issue, the text today, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 and following, is a hot-button issue for me. I've proven in the distant past and the recent past that this is very important to me that it's a very important spiritual issue, and it's an important spiritual issue for us today. Just to be fair, this week alone, listening to people who would disagree with me on this issue, I've listened to two sermons from Moody College professors, two sermons from Dallas Baptist Theological Seminary professors, two from Liberty Baptist University, one from Master's Seminary, one from Bethlehem Seminary, and two from Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. If you're unfamiliar with those, those are the bastions of conservative theological teaching, um, and they would be very comfortable with me explaining it this way. We are conservative because we want to hold on to the old ways because the old ways are the best ways. Okay? It's not a criticism. It's not a complaint. Many of the people who teach there are well-respected. The template that I am using for this sermon, so that's code word for outline, comes from a Dallas, Dallas Theological Seminary graduate. Sorry, I'm old and remember when Dallas Theological Seminary was Dallas Baptist Theological Seminary. I apologize. Um, just want to make sure that I've listened to lots of them and the media on the screen may not match because of that. Two, my feelings on this issue were terminated in 1991 attending Southwest Baptist Theological Seminary, which at the time was the most scholarly largest theological library, and the most conservative seminary in the United States. Three, if you were trained and schooled in teaching that females were considered equal by God to males, then good for you. If you were taught that but felt resistance to the idea of female bishops, priests, and senior pastors, this in term sermon is not intended to change your mind on the issue because Paul does not care about that issue, at least regarding this letter. He is trying to write something practical to you for you to know how to live your life the way you're supposed to in much the same way I tried to unpack what is wise for you last week. Four, the American Baptist USA Church's view of women in ministry is not a reaction to culture. ABC USA churches have been empowering women to be ministers well before they could vote. I was going to write my PhD dissertation on this subject, so trust me, the decision to empower women in ministry positions was not a reaction to culture, but a precursor to culture catching up. 
5, and this is the most important thing I'm going to say all day. I cannot possibly cover the purpose and intent of all the selected text today. Please do me a favor and open your Bible and read it. It might be useful. I'm not going to cover all these verses. You might want to read them. Six, and Leanne's cringing because she sees what's coming. Um, Many bad decisions that have been made on this issue come created nice, pretty hashtags that have been used. And even if we are presenting a perspective that I may disagree with, as long as you're consistent about it, I really don't care. It's just the way we voice it and just the way we empower people who should never have been empowered. And they're given power and they use it against people they should never get a chance to use power against. Paul would have been a big fan of the Me Too and the Church Too movement, in case you're wondering. So would Jesus. Now, most importantly, we really need to get this, or no matter what I say, the rest of my time as your pastor is not going to matter. We need to figure out as well as we can what the writer of the biblical text was saying to the original hearers first. If you come up with a meaning from the Bible that the text could never have meant for the original hearers, you have the wrong answer. If you read the book of Revelation and you hear about locusts, and these locusts are going to come and destroy the planet, and you suddenly think those are cobra helicopters, Hal Lindsey, you have the wrong meaning because it could not possibly have meant that. It's ignoring the biblical genre of the text. You must figure out what it meant originally or you have the wrong meaning. Now, just to clarify, I'm risking this sermon going really long and it's going too, sorry. If you're having your daily devotional or you're reading from your one-year Bible, which is a very type A thing that I do and you can walk in my office and it's sitting there and it's not spiritual, it's just divided in order so I read through it and trust me, I'm not enjoying Ezekiel right now. But you read through it and God speaks to you in some way from that text about what you should do and it might not have been the original meaning, good for you. But do not walk into a class. Do not go and teach other people that's what this text means. You would be wrong. Let's go for the other definition slide. You have to figure out what it meant then before you can figure out what it means today. I respect this is tough. But if you do this, you are part of the problem. Sorry, if you do this wrong, you are part of the problem. You read the book of Proverbs as if it is a literal, it is the Ten Commandments, you're doing it wrong. You read the book of Revelation and you ignore the Old Testament, you're doing it wrong. If I sound like this is important and I feel this is a stumbling block, you're catching on. Okay, I think I've been clear enough and been the most emotional behind the pulpit you've seen me so far, so let's make sure we're clear. And let's try to add a little levity to this difficult conversation we're about to have. Having said that, here we go. Today I'm going to try to summarize Paul's arguments from where we left off last week. To all the way to the point where he starts talking about spiritual armor in Ephesians, which will be a much shorter sermon next week, by the way. Paul covers a few subjects. Can you put those subjects up for me? Huh. Husbands, love your wives and be considerate. Wives, submit to your husbands. Children, obey your parents. Fathers, don't exasperate your children. I wish I was a better word, but that's what he says. Slaves, obey your masters. Hmm. I wonder which one of these is the least politically correct in the 21st century. Well, let's see. I think I've set these up. Why don't you 
knock one of those off. Oh, yeah, slaves. I don't think we're good with that. Let's go for the next one, maybe. Yeah, children obey your parents. Sorry. Deal with it. Um, give me see the next one. Fathers don't exact. reason we don't want that up there because we don't know what exasperate means, but it's okay. So we're left with husbands love your wives and be considerate and wives submit to your husbands. Which one of these is politically incorrect today? I wonder. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Go ahead and highlight it because I've got to be obnoxious. Wives submit to your husbands. Let's just be honest for a second. Forget how important we think the inspired scriptures are. Forget how important we think Paul was a real person in a real place who was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write real things to real churches. We kind of don't wish these words were in there. No matter what your view of women in ministry, women in life, women in marriage, we kind of wish these words weren't there. Because it makes us uncomfortable. Now, just for some clarification, I know I've used this analogy before, but I'm just going to read what I wrote today. Just because something makes you uncomfortable does not deny that it's true. Think about last week. What's the wise thing for you to do? Was that really comfortable? The classic example is mom and dad, you send your son off to college. You're thrilled he's getting an education and then he earned a full tuition and housing scholarship. He comes home for Thanksgiving and he shows up with the girl you've been hearing about and you're anxious to meet. During the dinner, Thanksgiving dinner, you find out your son has moved out of the dorm into the young lady's apartment. Your son is talking about quitting college to tour with the young lady's band. You uncomfortable? Still true, isn't it? Just because something is uncomfortable does not deny that it's true. I'm not going to deny anything that Paul says here. Because it makes me uncomfortable as a 21st century Christian. It's still true. Now, some of you, when I put these words up on the screen, you're thinking in your head, or you've got that relative, well, this is why I don't go to church, and this is why I'm not a Christian, because they have backwards views of women, and they have backward views of life, and they, those people should start putting their brains back on their shelf, because they take their brains off their, off their head, put it on the shelf, Whenever they have to talk about their faith because they don't think about it. I get that. This is what Paul wrote that bother you. Here's the exact verse. Go ahead. Wives, submit yourself to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Real quick, I have said this, and some of you are never, ever going to come to me for relationship counseling when I tell you this. Say I'm sitting in a meeting with someone, a family, uh, prospective family and the prospective husband says to me and I know what he's saying and I know what he's up to and I know what he should have meant hey pastor that's when you know it's bad because he won't call me by my first name hey pastor doesn't the bible say somewhere that wives should submit to their husbands first I always don't say to your pastor does it say somewhere um and I go well, maybe, and then I find the verse, and then I point out the first word of the verse, wives. And then I look the prospective husband in the eyes, this is not what she should do, by the way, and say, you know, it does say that. It says that for the wives. Are you a wife or a prospective wife? Oh, you're not. Why don't you look up the words that read for the husband and do those? And I basically told him it's none of his business what it says for the wife. I wouldn't recommend you do that in counseling, but that's what Paul is also saying here. Jesus had a powerful divine teaching that he has been teaching 
the entire writings of the New Testament writers after the Gospels were built upon Jesus' principle of love God and love your neighbor. The great commandment. Now, what does that look like? You know how hard that is. I say to you, love your neighbor, and you go, ugh. (laughs) They're trying to figure out in the first century, and it's much harder for them. Much, much harder because they live in a different time that has not been influenced by Jesus for two thousand years there are things you believe that you believe because of jesus and you don't even know it there are people you know who claim to be atheists who believe things because of jesus and they don't even know it paul is trying to answer the question to real people at a real place what would jesus do or what does jesus want me to do that is the point he's writing a hey i know this is tough But let's figure this out. He's writing to them and saying, now that you've owned some stuff and you forgive some stuff and you've tried to be wise, how do you live as a Christian every day with that family member, with that husband, with that wife, with those children, with your master? How do you do that? What does that look like? Because it's different. And he's literally trying to apply it to them so they will understand what to do. Because this is a brand new thing. I cannot emphasize this enough, and I don't have time for this because this would be four sermons. Jesus was the first person ever to teach that we should live by love and love everyone. Now, they had talked about love. Greco-Roman culture embraced love, but no one ever taught that you should live by love. The idea you have in your head right now, well, we should just treat people like we want to be treated, or we should just be nice, and everybody should be nice to everybody. That is not natural, That is not what people have done historically. That started with Jesus. Every rule in your head, every rule in the head of people outside of here is built on the idea that Jesus said, love one another, and we tried to live it out. One more thing, and just in the future you should be worried. Whenever I bring my Greek New Testament up here, it's bad. Because I would not bring it up here if I didn't have to use it, because I have to read it. In the, in the earliest manuscripts, so shocker, the Bible did just fall from the sky. In the earliest manuscripts, this is what Ephesians 5.22 reads. You should notice something's missing. Wives, to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. By the way, that's even harder, wives. Sorry, I hate to break a news to you, but just, just go with me. You notice there's a word missing. There's no submit there, because it's not in the earliest manuscripts. Shocker, we find older and older pieces of the biblical text every year. That's why we have newer translations that come out every so often. The older the text is, older the manuscript is, the more reliable it is. Don't panic. I'm not even concerned that the words are in this verse because we know where we got this from. That's going to be important in a second. We'll come back to it. Here's what Paul wrote. Wives, to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Now, when Paul had this read to the Ephesians church, because people couldn't read, sorry, had this read to the Ephesians church, when the wives heard the words, wives, submit to your own husbands, They had one reaction and one reaction only. Duh. They already knew this. 
they didn't have a choice. This was not a command that was new to them. Oh, this will change my life forever. Oh, they already have to do it. Wives would have said, tell us something we don't already know. In Greco-Roman culture, and to a lesser extent in Jewish culture, the male head of the household had legal jurisdiction over the wife, the children, and other male members who were not old enough. I could amaze you with my Greek and my Latin, but just there's a, there's a term for it. He has complete power of attorney over everything. In other words, the woman either belonged to her husband or her father. She doesn't have any legal rights. So where did Paul, why does Paul not include the verb submit in what we know as verse 22? Go ahead and show verse 22 for me. Well, because there's a verse 21. Verse 21 reads, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And submit is the overarching principle for the entire rest of this section, including the section on spiritual armor. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Everybody submits to everybody else. Period. End of discussion. But why do we do that? Because the God who died for you requested it. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, let's circle back so we get this. If you were going to teach on a tough subject to an audience that wasn't really going to listen to you, you would want to start with common ground they agreed on. Guess what the common ground is in this discussion? Go ahead and show me the verse. Wives, submit yourself to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Every single person listening would have agreed to that. The wives would have known they were supposed to do it, or quite frankly, they might have died. The husbands expected it. The children thought that's how it was supposed to work. Everyone agreed this is how it was. I'm more offended by these words than the women who lived in the first century who heard these words. Because this was just the way life was. Now, some of you who are much, who are wonderful wives and wonderful women, are thinking, what percentage of men are worthy to submit to? And they did a study, very scientific study. You know what percentage of men there are that are worthy to submit to? Zero. None. So it's not a worthiness of the man issue here. It's not a, oh, he's so spiritual, he's so this or he's so that. It has nothing to do with that. Paul is simply saying to the ladies, you need to put your husband's hope and dreams and desires ahead of yours because the God who died for you requests it. The next words in the first century context were shocking beyond my ability to even attempt to communicate. These next words were more disturbing and upsetting than our 21st century perspective hearing about the wives submitting to your husband. Which is why what came next is why what came first is so offensive to us. We in our culture are offended by the words I've given you. The offense that you are feeling is 1% of the offense the culture is going to feel by the next words. That's why Paul starts with what they agree with and then he moves to what they don't agree on. Verse 25, and I'll only give you part of it because, wow, they were going to hurt their heads on this one. Husbands, love your wives. Now, many of you are thinking, oh, John's going to put a duh up there again, right? No. In the first century, husbands do not love their wives. Let me repeat that again. 
Husbands in the first century, even in super godly homes, do not love their wives. They would tell you they do not love their wives. Common reaction when these words were said in Greco-Roman culture or Jewish culture of the day was, I don't have an obligation to my woman. Yes, they would say those words. My woman has an obligation to me. Some of you are thinking, so? In the first century, marriage was falling apart. It was being destroyed, and Paul is trying to fix it. Now, I'm going to throw several quotes up here. I'm going to try not to get emotional. I'm just going to give you the facts, and we're going to move from there. First, though many of you may not be impressed with him as a president, he's a wonderful Baptist and still teaches Sunday school today. And he wrote and says often, The truth is that male religious leaders have had and still have an option to interpret Holy Scriptures either to exalt or subjugate women. They have for their own selfish ends overwhelmingly chosen the latter. Their continuing choice provides the foundation of justification for much of the pervasive persecution and abuse of women throughout the world. And the Carter Foundation has gone to great lengths to try to solve trafficking of women throughout the world. In his 90s, he's still trying to do that somehow. Which is why his Sunday school class is more attended than their worship service at Maranatha Baptist Church. Second, just to set some context. A classic scholar whose name I can never say correctly, once said that one of the chief diseases of which ancient civilizations died was a low view of women. If the Greco-Roman culture had had a higher view of women, then the Greco-Roman culture would have survived the growth of Christianity and would not have fallen apart. And he proposes in his book that the Greco-Roman culture might have survived until today. But because they didn't view women as valuable, they destroyed that. Now, before we let the Jews off the hook... Let me introduce you to Jewish culture view of women. You should be familiar with this. Common morning prayer. Thank you that I am not a Gentile, a slave, or a woman. That is what you prayed when you went to the temple. We laugh and we think. It's also done in order because prayers were supposed to be done in order and the, more, the least important one was put at the end. Women are less important than livestock in the first century. Livestock had more authority in court as evidence than a woman testifying. In Jewish culture, they despised divorce. But if you were a man, you could get divorced fairly easily. Depending on which temple you went to, if your wife burnt the toast, you could divorce her for that. I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you. By the way, that was a divorce. It's now over. That was the whole ceremony. If you're a woman, you could not leave your husband for any reason except if your husband became a leper, publicly denied his Jewish faith, or committed a major crime. I'd like you to insert in 21st century context the idea of me too and church too into this setting. That's not an acceptable reason in the first century. First century historians say the concept of marriage was dying. This was adding to the peril of life as a Jewish woman. Jewish women were refusing to marry Now, when we get to the nativity and Mary and Joseph and its wonderful story, most of the young women in Mary's day were choosing not to get married. They were choosing one of the other three professions that were open to them. And I'll read them without looking up. House slave, a prostitute, or simply homeless. They thought being a house slave, a prostitute, or simply homeless was better than being married. I think there's a problem. Now, if you're a part of Greco-Roman culture, it gets worse. Prostitution was common. 
And biblical scholars say that it was considered an essential part of life. Greek culture had an even lower view of women. We have courtesans, which is such a pretty word for such a horrible thing. For the sake of pleasure, we have concubines, once again another pretty word for a horrible thing. For the sake of daily cohabitation, and we have wives for the purpose of having children legitimately and for having a faithful guardian for all our household affairs. It's very common in Greco-Roman culture for a man to have lots of places for his wife to live. Demosthenes, yes, I said that wrong, but he lived about 330 B.C. He said it was the aim that a wife that she might see as little as possible, hear as little as possible, and act as little as possible. She rarely would come out of her house because she would rarely be allowed to. When Paul said, wives submit to your husbands, the wives said, duh. Marriage was a disaster. There are common stories in Greco-Roman culture in Jesus' day of women being divorced ten times and of not being their fault. They burnt the toast. They didn't bring the right thing in. This wasn't right. I divorced thee, I divorced you, it's over. Marriage was a disaster and completely falling apart. The Roman Stoic Seneca wrote, Roman women were married to be divorced and were divorced to be married. Innocence is not rare. It is non-existent. In the first century, marriage has fallen apart. It's a horrible institution that should not exist. It was terrible. This is the context in which Paul has been asked, how do we live out what Jesus said as a husband and a wife? Let's go back to what Paul wrote. Verse 25, he says, Just as Christ loved the church, go ahead, you can do the next slide. Just as Christ loved the church and gave herself up for him. Now, the men in the audience immediately know where this is going. I don't know if you're aware, the cross doesn't go well for the Messiah. Things go badly. And they're thinking, I didn't put in my wedding vows that I was going to give myself up and die on the cross for my wife. Hey, Paul. We get that wives should submit to husbands, but are you telling me I have a responsibility to women? And their voice would have changed just like that too. You can't be serious, Paul. Do you know what that means? Our culture is going to change forever. And Paul would have said, yup. The guys are saying, are you implying there may be a sense of equality between men and women? Paul wrote, when we have verse 28, in the same way husbands ought to love their wives as, they, as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. Now, in case they don't get it, Paul tells them to protect their wives as if she was them. Paul makes a reference in this scripture section about the mystery of one plus one becoming one, which I'm sure God looks down every day at us married people and one plus one becoming one and laughs and goes, ha, ha, ha. But that's what he's making reference to. I cannot describe to you how the concept of a husband actually loving his wife was a brand new concept in the first century. Because that's why what came next is so offensive to us. We're offended by the wife's part. Everyone there was offended by the husband's part. It was offensive it was horrible. It was no different. Paul could have been, 
Paul could have explained to them that there was going to be World War II and described to them. He would have had a better chance of describing that than telling the husbands they should love their wives. That's not something you did. All of us have this idea that you're supposed to love. That came from Jesus. That's a brand new idea. A brand new idea that if we did more often, it makes sense. According to Greco-Roman scholars, in the first century, they thought women as equal was an unnatural and undivine thing. Jesus is the first person to bring women's status up. As horrible as reading the Old Testament can be sometimes, every single reference to women in the Old Testament is bringing them to a higher status than they had in any other culture. Every single reading in the New Testament is bringing women to a higher status than they had in every culture. And dare I say it, and not meant to be offensive, the Old Testament prophets, Jesus, Paul, and Peter, were feminists because they thought women should be treated the way women should be treated. And it was majorly offensive in the first century. And Paul does not pull any punches. You think that's just normal. And you think we're doing better in our culture treating men and women equal and treating minorities equal. And yes, we are. Yes, we have lots of ways to go, but we are making progress. You should be glad, ladies, that you live today, not in the 1700s in the, in the United States. Having said that, if I haven't scared you or offended you enough with Paul's point, you think it's normal for husbands to love. That is only considered normal because of Christianity. It's only considered normal because of Paul. Every single command in the New Testament circles back to one basic thing, the resurrection. Jesus taught all this wild stuff before the resurrection. Fear not, doubt not, you know, you know trust, all these things, and we go, what? But after the resurrection, they make sense. Loving others the way God loved you only makes sense after the resurrection. The New Testament writers are trying to explain, love God, love your neighbor. When I'm asked, especially at this stage of my life, in interviews or studies or their whatever, what's your greatest accomplishment in life? I don't have to think very long. It's not my academic success. It's not that I'm considered scholars in certain areas of church history and theology. This is one of them, in case you're wondering. It's not my years playing as a full-sponsored Stiga, Adidas, Dunlop, racket sport athlete. It's not working with people in international missions in the 1040 window. And if you need to Google what 1040 window is, let's just say it's not safe. Though it may have taken me a lot of time in life to get to this point, I know what my greatest accomplishment in life is. I don't have to think about it very long. My greatest accomplishment is taking, listening to the still small voice of God after making many mistakes and horrible things that were done to me. I was choosing to be brave again and trust someone and empowering my spouse Maggie, who had been told by many males that females were inferior. Now, maybe they didn't use those words. Maybe they didn't say it that way, but they conveyed it that way. And my greatest accomplishment is giving her the space, trust, and empowerment to be the woman God called her to be. Do I get this right all the time? Eh, nope. However, 
when I question whether my life matters and whether I'm actually doing anything that matters in the world, I simply can look to my wife and know that God, who died for me, requests that I treat her as a child of God. And I put her hopes and her dreams and desires in front of mine whenever possible. We call that mutual submission. We call that the principle of life. And if that seems offensive to you, then you see why Paul wrote these words. You were made to be more than just a functioning person. You were made to be more. You weren't created to just go with the flow. You were created to be a powerful, wise, submissive, forgiving child of God. Paul wrote to set up everything he's going to say in the rest of this chapter, these words. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, because God who died for you requests it and has made your best interests in mind, whether you do or not. What does it look like to submit to one another? Let's pray. Holy God, thank you that you are almighty. Thank you that we have a real person in a real place at a real time. who wrote some really tough words. And thank you that we live in a time where the tough words are reversed. Where we can't figure out what that means. But no matter what, Lord, you taught us to live out what it means to love one another as you loved us. And whatever that looks like, Help us to see that, because that's the most important thing. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.